Welcome to the Retrovenix Podcast. In this podcast, your host, Lori and me, will interview published authors to chat about their work, journey to getting published, and their book recommendations. If you share a passion for books and are always looking for your next read, then join us. Welcome to the Retrovenix Podcast. I have a fun interview for you, but before we get to it, I want to chat a little bit about the Retrovenix Podcast Patreon community. Do you read Romans? Do you want to connect with other romance-loving community members? Do you want to read romance books and talk to the author about it? Do you want to have weekly book recommendations? If you say yes to any of this, then you should join our Patreon community. Each week, I send out an email with book recommendations that include Kindle Unlimited, Audiboscapes, and arcs that you should pick up. I also share upcoming romance events that you should check out, and the group meets a couple times a month, and we talk about one book a month with the author joining us. And we also meet to discuss book recommendations and other fun events. If you want to join, click the link in the show notes. Now let's get to today's interview. I'm so excited to share that I'm chatting with Carly Bloom today. Carly wrote Big Bad Cowboy, which was my first cowboy romance, and it was so good. It's steamy, it's just so much fun, great small town romance. It's just like, as someone who doesn't read cowboy romance, this was just like the perfect treat. Um, it is a must read, and it's if in this interview we chatted about Carly's journey to get her first book published, what it was like to write small town romance, and of course around the book recommendations. Now let's go to the interview. Hi, Carly. Welcome to the Retro Next Podcast. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. So happy to have you here. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I write contemporary Western romance, and I live on a cattle ranch in South Texas with my husband, and we have five kids, although the baby is 16, so I'm not corralling five little kids anymore, oh and um, a bunch of animals. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> so what inspired you to become a writer? Well, I bet you most writers say the same thing, but it was reading. I'm a huge reader, an avid reader, and um, but I've always written, and I, I used to write um, nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I had family humor, uh, newspaper column, and a family humor blog, and um, my kids got to the age where they realized they were um, that their dirty laundry was being aired for other people's um, entertainment. <laughs> so they asked me to stop embarrassing them. So now I write um, steamy uh, romance, and I'm pretty sure they're still embarrassed. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like it's like it goes from one place to the other. It's like, oh my gosh, this, she's writing steamy scenes here. <laughs> yeah, well, with the, with the shortage yeah. of buttons. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, what was your journey to get your first book published? Oh, um, let's see. I wrote my first book, and I know a lot of authors like will say they made several attempts, but. I'm not a quitter. So even though my first book wasn't working, I never like gave up and started trying to write a different one. I just stuck with that book. I like to tell people that my hero started out with a flip phone because like he did. But um, anyway, um, I wrote a book and I got feedback on it and I revised it. And then I started trying to find an agent and that I don't even know how many query uh, letters I sent out, but it was a lot. So um, I ended up um, 
getting the manuscript uh, in with a small press and that small press uh, went under right before my book was um, scheduled to be released, which I'm grateful for that, that it, it wasn't released. And, and then, cause a lot of publishers won't take something that's already been out there. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky in that regard. And then um, I started querying again and I saw um, there is on Twitter, there's a hashtag manuscript wish list, like it's mm-hmm. hashtag MSWL. And a, a writer friend, Allison Bliss, told me that someone, uh, an editor for Entangled, was looking for a book very similar to what, what I had. So I submitted it. And then within hours, the editor I submitted it to was tweeting about it. And she stayed up all night long reading it. And then I read more of her tweets in the morning. It's so weird to watch that happen. And um, so anyway, it ended up getting acquired uh, uh, by Entangled and it released in 2015. So that was my journey. I think, you know, it was a lot of uh, disappointment um, as far as like getting all the rejections and building up a tough skin then finally getting a bit of good news only to have it taken away because the press went under, then getting good news again. So I think that's pretty common. I think none of us have like a super smooth path to getting our first book published. Yeah, I think I've asked this question to quite a few authors and what I've found out is that, you know, it's not a linear process and there's a lot of starts, there's a lot of stops, there's a lot of reduction, there's a lot of like, just keep pushing along as opposed to just having this magical process where you just quirk to one agent, the agent picks you up and you have option, you have all these different things. That's a really rare process. Like for the most part, it's just like, it's a, it's a, it's a, all over the place. And so yeah. it's a lot of highs, a little bit of lows, but it's just a process. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I didn't know what it was before I started. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think I, I don't know if I maybe wouldn't have tried, but, um, you know, I had my rose colored glasses on and in a way they protected me. I kept thinking, well, this next one will be the one. And um, that's what kept me going. Now that I know everything that I know, I, th- I, I try to keep new writers from being too discouraged. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really good for us to get our stories out about the process. So people know what to expect and that what's happening to them isn't, you know, unique and that we've all been through it. Mm, yes. So let's talk about your writing. Do you follow an online? Do you see what the story leads to? Are you a plotter or are you a painter? Um, I want to be a plotter so, so bad. <laughs> and I have all the books and I've taken all the seminars and I have done everything and I cannot plot to save my soul. Um, I don't really feel too much like a pantser, probably because of my, I'm so anxious. Like I feel like someone who flies by the seat of their pants is real carefree and I, that's not me. Um, mm. I'm just really stressed out the whole time I'm writing. But the way I see it is that you have, some people build stories. Mm-hmm. And again, I wish that was me. They know what parts they have to go in and they can like say, okay, this is my conflict. This is my hero's wound. This, and they just build it. They just 
freaking build it. And it's so amazing to watch. I have a lot of friends who write like that. Mm -hmm. I'm more of an uncoverer. Like, like my story is like just this, just mountain of mud and I have to dig through it and find what's underneath. Mm -hmm. And it's sloppy, cumbersome, and it takes a long time. And I go down a lot of rabbit trails that don't lead anywhere. And um, yeah, so that's how I do it. The easy way. <laughs> Everyone has their own process. Just embrace it. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, try, I, I'm trying to embrace it, but we're not sleeping together yet. So Awesome. How do you organize your how do you organize yourself as a writer? How do you keep track of your ideas, inspirations, characters, especially writing a series, um, keeping track of all the different moving pieces? Um, well, I, I guess I get, I get ideas from weird um, sources. And I usually, I, I'm a big daydreamer. Like, I'm a huge daydreamer. I have a really hard time even listening to people talk because I'm usually just thinking about whatever I'm thinking about instead, but it's usually like a scene. Um, something will tickle me, something I hear or see, and then I'll build a little scene around that in my head. And then I try to uncover a bigger story around that scene. So with Big Bad Cowboy, I started that story around in the fall, like Halloween was coming up. That's like my favorite holiday just mm. about. And um, I just started wondering what would happen if, uh, and I live, you know, in a small town, so I'm real familiar with the workings of small towns. And um, I just wondered what would happen if two people were in costume, had, you know, an interlude, a masked anonymous interlude, and then find out that, you know, boom, there you are together afterwards um, in, in the same small town. I just thought that would be funny and hilarious and have a lot of conflict. So that was my inspiration for uh, the first book in this series. I love it. And so do you share your work along the way do its completed father, Sherry? Oh, um, I have three people that I will let see what I'm working on. And that's it. Just three trusted people who know how to talk to me without breaking me and who know how to give feedback that is constructive. Like I don't want someone to be a cheerleader and I also don't want someone to be looking for, you know, mistakes. So I've got three people that I trust and really no one else sees it. I'm, I'm really easily um, thrown off course. If I sense, like I'll take something so to heart. If someone says, oh, this isn't really working for me, then I assume it won't work for anybody and I drop it. Mm. So, um, which can be devastating. So, so um, yeah, I've called it down to three people who know how to deal with me and keep me inspired and working instead of, you know, the opposite. That's amazing. Um, let's talk about your book. So Big Fat Cowboy, you mentioned that they have, they, they have a mass interlude and then they end up working together and there's a little bit of red riding hood, but mistaken identity, lots of texting. Um, so <laughs> why pick this why pick this story and trope? Because there's like enemies to lovers. There's like a little bit of everything here. Um, I guess because I read a little bit of everything and I always think I have one trope, like in my head, I'm like, this was the enemies to lovers in my head. And then um, 
when other people read it, they start picking out all the other tropes. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, there's like nine tropes in this thing. <laughs> like, like, I don't ever see it that way until afterwards. Like, I'm almost always an enemies to lovers girl. Yeah. I'm a peacemaker. I like to bring people together. Um, it gives you great conflict. So, so I always think I'm writing enemies to lovers, which I am, but then I'm also writing like a whole bunch of other tropes in there too. Yeah. I think it just, it brought in like the banter, the taxing, like it just, it was just like a bride with a bang. Like it was just like, there was enemies to lovers, but there was also the mistaken identity. Like, yeah, like they don't know they're talking to each other. That just felt like really cool. Like it yeah. was like, dual timeline in some ways in a relationship like it just like it was really cool so well, i really had i really had four protagonists in that book not two yeah because i had maggie and travis unmasked yeah. as themselves and then meanwhile little red riding hood and the big bad wolf were also carrying on with their texting mm -hmm. it was kind of like i describe it actually a reader described it as a kinky cowboy version of you've got mail meets mm -hmm. little red riding hood and i'm like oh that's perfect and that's what i did i didn't do it intentionally but that's what i did so yeah but that one really has four characters doesn't it it does and it was yeah. just like it was just so good so and travis's character well both the them are really different as their alter egos yes you know maggie's like super sexy as little red riding hood and travis is like almost alpha you know he's kind of like my, my heroes are like um what do they say they're um beta on the streets and alpha in the sheets <laughs> that's how that's how that's kind of how he was as the wolf he was kind of alpha but in real life you know He's sweet Travis. He's my cinnamon yeah. roll. Yeah. Yes. It was like, I think it just like brought a, like, it brought a sense of like, of overall, like it just, it completed the story. Like it just explained like, you know, there, the character was so developed so well. Like there was actually more to the character than what we just see from their interaction with one another. Like, I think they got deeper, you know, in different ways um, through both storylines. Yeah, well, good, because that's what I was going for. So, <laughs> yay. So, let's talk about Henry. How hard was it to write him? Because he was adorable, by the way. <laughs> well, I have five kids, so Henry was easy to write. Oh, I, I'm super familiar with five-year-olds. So, um, Henry was easy. He was easy for me to write. He was, he was fun. Yeah, he was adorable. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about creating the world big burden because you actually create a town where it's small town romancers and you live in a town so you're familiar with it. Um, but what was the process of like creating that world of just making that, making stories within that world? Um, for me, the town is like a character in the book. <laughs> Um, it had that much flavor to it. Like, you know, I like to think that if you were to line my characters up, like, like stick one of my characters with other people's characters and just have them say a line, I'd like for people who've read my books to be able to say, oh, that was Travis or that was Ford. And I feel the same way about my town. I think that if you lined up my small town with other small towns, like it would, 
you'd be able to tell the flavor. Oh, that's Big Bear Day. So, so I developed it kind of like I develop characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, I still live just outside the same small town where I was raised. Mm. So kind of like I know how five-year-olds work. I know how small towns work. When, mm-hmm. when you're in a small town, everyone is a member of your community. You don't really build, you know, like when you're in a city or even online environments, you build your communities of people that you want in your community. And when you're in a small town, everyone is your community. And it doesn't really matter what your history is with them or what you have in common with them. Those are the folks you see every day. Those are the people who have kids that your kids are going to play with. And everybody knows your business. Everybody knows your secrets. When, whenever I would post something on Facebook about um, like stress from writing under a deadline, my high school physics teacher would chime in. He'd comment, <laughs> you can do it, Carly. And then he'd like be, I remember back in 10th grade, and he'll mention like a test or something. <laughs> like, like you don't, you don't ever, these people stay a part of your life. I um. I um, got a card in the mail when my second book came out from my English teacher. So, um, so I'm real familiar with how small towns work. And I know that you've got a certain character. You'll have your holier than thou character. That Mm -hmm. would be our Miss Mills. And you'll have um, everybody's related to everybody else. Everybody, every town's going to have a good old boy. Every small South Texas town anyway, um, like Baba. You've got people keeping secrets, but everybody finds them out eventually. Mm-hmm. So I guess because I'm steeped in small town life, uh, it wasn't super hard for me to create my small town. It's not based on my small town, but I think that um, you're gonna find the same elements in pretty much every small community. Yeah, I think so. I think as someone who likes to read small town romans, I think it's just a lot of the world, the town is just an important character as the couple that we're reading about. Um, that the supporting characters of the town are just as important as, you know, the couple. Um, they bring flavor, they bring some joy to the reading experience, um, which is kind yeah. of like fun. So, um, That's really fun for me, secondary characters are really really fun for me and um my the book that um i think must love cowboys will be up for pre-order maybe by the time this podcast comes out yeah but um the the heroine is alice martin the town librarian and she was such a secondary character in big bad cowboy like Mm -hmm. she was literally just the librarian who was pestering claire and maggie to join book club Mm-hmm. I didn't really develop her at all, but then she really came out in the second book, mm-hmm. um, came into her own, and now she's my everything because I'm revising that book right now, and I just love her, and she's in my head 24-7, and it's just amazing how secondary characters will just rise to the surface and say, my turn, mm-hmm. it's my turn now, and so I really love secondary characters because you never know what they're going to reveal to you and who they're going to grow into being. Yeah, as someone who loves series, I absolutely adore 
you know, when the author brings in like some side character who has like nothing to do in book one, but maybe book by book four, you're like the hero and the heroine. You see them grow as each book happens. You see the process, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like the joy. As a reader, it's a joy to watch all these side characters fall in love or just are start businesses or start doing different things and going through their journey as you yeah. get to know the town. So. I'm excited for Alice's book. <laughs> and it's also fun to, like, like I really, really, really want to write um, a story about J.D. and Gabriel and how they met. Yeah. Um, so I started in my newsletter, I promised people, they're probably my most popular characters, by the way, is J.D. Yep. and Gabriel. And um, so I keep promising my newsletter subscribers that I'm going to write their meet-cute and um, I've started it and it's freaking adorable because it's so funny to introduce characters and they're already together, mm -hmm. but I don't know how they met because they haven't told me. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm learning how they met and how they came to be together. And it's just really adorable. It makes me love them even more. And, and now I'm like, how did I write their story without even knowing all of what I know now. Mm. You know, it's, it's the uncovering. Weird. It's the uncovering process of just removing the muck and just trying to see how they come about. Yeah. It's like just kind of like just opening the gift more and more. New gifts are coming up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there are some sexy times. What is the process of writing them? Um I don't really have a process like like I, I know I have friends who'll be like okay so I've cleared out the house and um, I've got my glass of wine and my I light a candle and I try to you know get there I don't have to do anything like that um, for me I love writing sex scenes and it's really 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 not about the sex because um, I've said this before but it's totally true you know I can't, I can, I'm not going to reinvent sex. I'm not going to invent anything nobody's ever heard of before. There's literally mm -hmm. only so many places you can put that thing. So yeah. um, for me, it's all about the circumstances. So um, I'm in my sex scenes that everybody says are super steamy, but there's not as much description um, physically of what's going on. Although I will put them in you know, unique circumstances like a shed or a loft bed of an Airstream trailer or um, things like that. But it's mostly about what's going on in their heads and, and people are funny and, and, and weird and delightful. And when they're anxious or nervous or turned on, all of those things are, are amplified. So for me, when I write a sex scene, it's like, what what's the purpose of this? How, what, how is this going to change something the way they feel about each other and the way they feel about themselves? And you really have to get in their heads and people have funny, funny thoughts when they're having sex and they have insecurities. And so all of that comes into my sex scenes. And that's what, that's what makes me tick when I'm writing sex scenes. It's not about the sex itself but it's about everything that it's stirring up, everything that it's causing. And I do like humor in my scenes. So they're not typically going to just be, let's go into the bedroom and have sex on the bed like normal people. Um, that's going to be a little bit different. 
Yeah, they're really great. They're like, there are some good sexy times. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, who enjoys that? Like, when being women's, I'm like, these are so good. So, oh, I love the, I love the fact there's like, it's as you said, there's there's humor, there's banter, there's like, it's not just a physicality. There's like purpose, and it just, and they're like in interesting places. Like, you just put in the characters and like let's do them in a shag. <laughs> like, like, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's like, it, it feels fresh. That's what it does. It sounds, it looks fresh. Oh, thanks. That's, that's awesome to hear. I'm glad. And, you know, especially with my heroes, um, I, I, it's really important to me that, that um, they be vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, both in their actions, but also in their thoughts. And there's a lot of room for that in sex scenes and, and in Cowboy Come Home, you know, Ford has that instance where he's actually trying to um, slow things down and he's trying to conjure up an image of his granny in her threadbare housecoat, um, a memory that is burned into his brain from like his teenage years when, and so like he has little tricks and stuff and things that he's thinking about. And I just love putting stuff like that in there. It's unexpected, but it hopefully makes people laugh. And, um, you know, we can't just be so serious all the time because, um, you know, things are funny. People are funny. We do funny stuff. Yeah. I really love the humor that you infuse within the books. Like, they both are, like, the actual three, because I read the novella, too they'll infuse some sort of humor around it. Like, it's just like, life it doesn't have to be so serious. Like, this can right. be, that can be fine, so. Um, so let's talk about Kaiba Khan Home. Um, that's the second chance romance that deals with grief. Um, Ford has been lost and he feels like he was cursed, therefore he can't settle down with Claire or even the child, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, he just felt the curse was happening and he could not settle down. Why was it important to share this part of the character journey? Like, because, you know, is a curse real? Is it, you know, like, like can well, you actually do it? You know, so, yeah. I think that, um, you know, and, and the message of that was that um, when we feel cursed, it's usually something we've done to ourselves, mm -hmm. ourselves, and we can change our circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, the the grief part of the journey, um, I wrote Cowboy Come Home while I was grieving for my dad who mm -hmm. passed away. Um, thank you. And so, yeah, that was really, um, that's where I was. And a lot of people commented, even though it's a funny book and it has its funny moments, that it definitely has some more somber um, undertones. And that's because, you know, I, that was my environment at the time. That was my headspace. I was really, really sad um, when I wrote that book. And um, there's a lot of mine and my dad's relationship and Claire and Jerome. Um, my dad had throat cancer. That's actually not what killed him. Like Jerome, he overcame that. But, um, but it was that same. I just, pulled in a lot of of things from my my own life while I was um, writing that book but mostly I wanted it to be hopeful that um, that a lot of the problems that we experience are things that we can turn around we curse ourselves with mm -hmm. uh, our patterns of thinking and the identities we give to ourselves that 
don't need to be adhered to, that we have the power to change it. And that was what I wanted Ford's journey to be. And likewise, I wanted Claire's journey to be um, where she realized she was enough as a, as a woman. She was enough all by herself, whether or not she ever found her Prince Charming. And it was only after she accepted that completely that, of course, um, she got what she wanted all along. Yeah, I really love this. This was like different. I feel like the tone was different, and I can see that um, for this book. But I love the account. I love the relationship between Ford and Claire. I love their journey. Um, that it just felt like very like I don't know. It, it felt like coming home, which is probably coming home. Um, yeah. The place of just coming together. But I love the fact that, you know, Claire's journey, she was like enough. And then she was able to get the gift before. Like it was, she needed to feel whole before mm -hmm. she can actually be with someone. Yeah. Yeah. And even though I'm in romance and we all are writing happy ever afters, which usually mm -hmm. include, you know, or always include finding a partner. You know, I've raised um, two daughters and I, I always want them to know they, they are enough and mm -hmm. someone else's happy ever after does not have to look like yours and it doesn't have to include another person. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, it's really important to me that people know that they're enough, especially women all by themselves. Yes. I love this message. So when is Alex's book coming out? It is coming out in the spring of 2021 and Alice is all on board for being all enough, all on her own. And she is not looking for happy ever after with a man. She considers herself happily self-partnered in the mm -hmm. words of Emma Watson. So um, yeah, poor Bo Montgomery. That's all I've got to say. He's the hero. I can't wait. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait. So, and you can pre-order um, soon. So, I'll post the links for pre-ordering. Okay, um, awesome. Awesome. So, now let's go to a round of book recommendations. Robert, do you have to share with the audience what they should read next? What is your favorite genre? What is my favorite what? Genre. Oh, um, well, obviously romance. I read a lot of, of um romance as far as subgenres within the genre i pretty much don't care i will read paranormal i'll read cowboy i'll read suspense um pretty much across the board um if it's character driven i don't really care what the setting is if i love it i love it and outside of um romance i'm a huge haruki murakami fan Mm. He's a Japanese writer, and I have everything he's ever written, both fiction and nonfiction. Love him. I love it. What has been a book you read this past year that you love? Um, what of, of Haruki's or of anybody's? Anybody. It's up to you. Oh, um, right now. Um, I just, well, right now I'm reading, I'm one of those people that I always have like three or four books on my Kindle open and depending on my mood, um, dictates, uh, which one I, I read. So I'm like lots and lots and lots of books open at one time. So, um, I just finished, uh, Dance Away With Me by Susan Elizabeth Phillips. And she's pretty much my, my queen in romance. Um, 
I've been reading her for years and years and years and years and years. Mm. So I rewarded myself with that book when I turned my manuscript in to my editor. I already had it on my Kindle. It had just come out and boom, like I, I hit send and then I opened the book, loved it. And it's <laughs> dance away with me. I also just read, um, Jock Blocked by Pippa Grant. And she is freaking hilarious if you've never read a Pippa Grant book. And Jock Blocked features a um, hero who is the oldest virgin in baseball. Um, it's fantastic. And I read Sasha Summers' uh, Jace, which is uh, the first in a new series for her, which features like a country western um, music family and um she also she writes fast she and pippa grant both do um mm -hmm. I'm, I'm jealous and she <laughs> also had a book called accidentally family mm -hmm. um that i um am like 60 percent in and i love that book because it features an older couple i don't mean like you know in their 80s but they have teenage children so not um young 20s and let's see, what else did I read? I read, oh, um, I just finished Seven Stones to Stand or Fall, which is a bunch of short story, Outlander short stories. Mm. I'm a huge Outlander fan. And oh, Second Chance Cowboy by McKenna Lee. I just downloaded that and I'm probably 20, 30% of the way in. I think this is her first uh, book and it's Cowboy Romance. Mm. And um, let's see. Oh, I as far as like I'm, I'm looking at my Kindle right now. I have um, Jenny Holiday's newest book, mm -hmm. which is the second one I think. And yep. the first one was um, Mermaid. Uh, Mermaid. Mermaid Inn. So this is the second book to that. I also have a new Laura Drake cowboy book. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a cowboy for keeps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I can keep going. Um, oh, and <laughs> I have a I have a big uh, Verde uh, book club in my fan group. We we are having our first meeting next month, and we're reading a Rebecca Weatherspoon book, um, which is an erotic story called Haven. It's one of her older older um, books. Oh, this is so exciting. I love it. You asked me why I write. It's because I read. I read a lot. So, I mean, I, like love, I, <laughs> <laughs> I love all these book recommendations, and I'm going to be downloading quite a few of them. So, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> so, tell us where you can find me online. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I have a, a, a fan group called Carly's Bloomers, which is on Facebook. And we do giveaways. I do a monthly bloomer box. Um, my next one is um, going to be, um, oh, it's Farah's latest book. The Boyfriend Project or? Boyfriend Project. We're yep. giving that, yes. We're giving away the Boyfriend Project. So I give away a bloomer box every month. And then we do, um, right now we're doing virtual happy hours too, where I get to talk with readers and it's just a lot of fun. We did a, um, we did a, um, we were going to play Family Feud, but we couldn't get it together. We couldn't figure out how to play it. So um, we, we just did a, one of those um, trivia nights 
And then we had a scavenger hunt that was hilarious. So I like to interact with readers a lot. So I hope that um, anybody new out there will come and find me. I'm lonely and it's a pandemic. So come hang out with me. I love this so much. Hang out with me virtually. I should this is so awesome. Yeah, I love I love that we're meeting virtually in the pandemic. Like it just brought us together. So I love this. This is amazing. I love it too. And you know, when I had my first author Zoom event, I was like so, so stupidly nervous. And now it's just like, you know. Do you really need to put on a bra for a virtual happy hour? No. And like the, the first time I did one, you know, like I did my hair and I had makeup and I was so nervous. And now it's just like, no, we're past that. I love this. So <laughs> Didn't even take all that long. So thank you, Carly, for being in the show. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with friends, subscribe, or rate and review the show. This is the easiest way to support this podcast. Want to join a romance-loving community? Want weekly book recommendations, monthly author Q&As, and book recommendation meetups? Make new friends? Then join our Patreon community. To sign up, please follow the links in the show notes. What to Read Next Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to love on frolic.media slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.